game begin. Hey, Daggum Nerds fans, welcome to another episode after our long month hiatus, but back in the chair with me is Brett. Hey, we're back, everybody. Let's talk some nerd stuff. What? What? But we've got a lot of uh, dad life updates to catch people well, up on in the meantime, too. That's true. That's true. My, my son just turned three. And, wow. Uh, he, yeah, I know it. Man, it just felt like... A few days Seems- ago, I was giving you guys the update on him, like, you know, just learning to crawl. Uh, now he's running all over the house. Yep. And I don't know if you've experienced this, but it's been the case with uh, my son is whoever said it was the terrible twos. No, sir. It's it's the threes. And <laughs> I've I've heard it called uh, a they're a three major. And that that has absolutely been the case in the Yogam household because my son has a will that is about a mile long and, uh, it's quite comical at times. Um, for instance, we started him on magic school bus and we showed him the let's, let's go into Ralphie when he's sick episode. One of my favorites. Well, in it, it shows the function of white blood cells. Well, for whatever reason, Rowan took that to mean that these white blood cells control everything in your body. And when I say everything, mm. like up to and including your willingness to eat your food. So oh we'll be goodness. at dinner time and he won't be eating his food and be like, well, dad, my white blood cells aren't hungry, so I can't <laughs> eat. And I'll be like, well, you better tell your white blood cells that they need them. And he's like, well, but my white blood cells, they, they said they're not hungry. <laughs> so man, he, that, uh, I mean the, the kids connecting dots. I just don't know if they're the right ones <laughs> right now. Well, I had a science one up him and it'd be like, well, your white blood cells are made up of cells, which have mitochondria, which absolutely need energy in order to transform the AHP into usable energy. So yes, son, you do actually need to eat your sweet potato fries. I'm sorry. Wow. I mean, you had to coax him to eat sweet potato fries. See, these are the battles I wasn't expecting as a parent. Like I have to coax my child into eating pizza for crying out loud. Oh my goodness. I was expecting the broccoli. I was expecting the Brussels sprouts. I was not expecting to have battles over pizza though. Tonight was probably one of my best dad victories because we've actually had a problem with onions recently. Hmm. And I'm not like, we don't feed him a straight up onion. It's, we feed him green beans and there happened to be, you know, a couple of onions mixed in with the, you know, the bacon flex on these green beans. Well, he's a purist. And if there's anything on the green bean, he won't eat it. So tonight he identified the one millimeter by one millimeter square of onion that dared (laughs) to be on his green bean. And I've, I've been watching, uh, rings of power. So I've just been in kind of like a high lore mood. And so normally I would just be like, son, eat your onion, son, eat your, you know, and you do the, the whole back and forth. But I was like, you know what? Let's just take this over the top. And so he's sitting across the table from me. He starts complaining about there's an onion. And I just like throw my hands on the table and go, son, 
one! It's the evil onion scourge that's here to defeat our table kingdom! You must eat it in order to stop its reign of terror across your plate! And he's just sitting there like wide-eyed because he totally did not see this parental treatment coming out of the woodwork. And I Neither just, did I. Yeah, I just keep on for two minutes just beseeching him leaning over the table on both of my outstretched arms. Son, only you have it within your loins to put an end to this tyranny of the onion. Scourge your loins against its evil machinations and put it upon your tongue. And he's just like, okay. And, and like, he just goes, okay. And then he sticks it in his mouth and chews it. And <laughs> you would think I worked way too hard for that, but... Do not misunderstand me when I say that is the easiest it has been to get him to eat an onion. <laughs> wow. But probably so, the most fun. Oh, it was it was so much fun for me. Now, meanwhile, <laughs> Meredith is sitting in the chair next to me questioning all of her decisions, including marrying me, and just like, <laughs> what is happening? But you could tell that she also had this, like, what is happening, but I kind of want to see how this plays out. And then once he ate the onion, I mean, she just kind of – did a, a slow little applause and was like, well, can't question your results. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hard to he, beat it. He ate the onion. Man. So my son's trying to be a uh, a little bit of a reasonist himself. Is that a word? I don't know. Reasonist. <laughs> but he's, he's trying to reason a lot more. And so I tried to get him one day where I thought I'm going to say just words that he has no idea what they are and see what his response is. So okay. I'll ask him a question. He usually has an opinion. And so I, uh, I said, Hey, Josiah. And he looked at me across the table while he was eating his breakfast. Mm-hmm. And I said, what are your inclinations on hydroxychloroquine? <laughs> he stares at me for three seconds and then calmly and confidently said blueberries and went back to eating his <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm like, not going to lie. I feel like he has one of the more sound arguments when it comes to hydrochloroxychlorine. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, oh man. And there was something else too, is that he's been learning about, um, he's been learning a, uh, different Bible stories. Uh-huh. Um, and so what's funny is him trying to make sense of Bible stories in real life. Hmm. So what's been funny is that Callie was pointing to a picture of Josiah when he was a baby. It's hanging on our, our wall, little family montage. And I went, whoa, Josiah, who is that? Thinking he's going to say his own name. He looks at himself in that picture, looks back at me and says, Jesus. <laughs> no, that is not baby Jesus. Let's get that very clear. That is no, Josiah. Son, you may think you are sometimes, but you, in fact, are not <laughs> God. Um, yeah. So know. I don't I don't know if I have uh, we have our battles as parents, too. But I don't know if this particular stage for us has been um, battles of, of food, but it's been more of like he wants to know everything. Why? What, what's the reasoning? Mm, why behind yep. this? Um, the one battle we have had is him trying to go to sleep at night. That that's been oh, a whopper. Oh man! Yeah, My gracious! Like coming out of his room. Oh yes, I mean mm. like an hour and a half passed when we put him down, and uh, we have tried many disciplinary methods. We finally found something that sticks. He usually likes to take a little something with him to bed, like a toy. Mm-hmm. And we finally said, if you come out of your room, we're going to take that toy away from you. 
and the panic in his eyes when we said it, he was like, oh, no, no, not my comfort like, toy, not my emotional support toy. <laughs> I was like, well, we won't if you stay in your room. So now he has resorted to calling out the infamous dad. Oh, the dad. caterwauling. The oh, caterwauling. Yep, it's happening. So he's getting better at it, though. We're working on it. Hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, before we leave the topic of Bible stories, it reminds me of something that happened actually just tonight. Um, oh. You know, you're always excited when your kid is remembering things. And, right. um, you know, Bible stories are, are high up there in the priority list for us. So, you know, whenever he can retell something like, yay, good, it's sticking. Well, I thought that I had had one such victory tonight when he, he pulled something out of the woodwork. Because, I mean, we... We're, we're trying to read through his little kid's Bible, like from, from cover to cover. So we just crested into the new Testament. And after reading about the birth of Jesus, he, he goes, dad, I want to read about the tabernacle. And I'm thinking, wow, that's a vocab <laughs> word to pull out from a while ago. I mean, we're talking, yeah, I mean, we're talking Moses and, and I, you know, for a minute there, I'm thinking, wow, I can't believe it. He remembered the word, the tabernacle from, from the story of Moses. And I was like, <laughs> but all of that came crashing down when I asked him, so buddy, why do you want to read about the tabernacle? And he's like, well, remember when all those people died and they shaved their heads and then the giant fell down and Joseph was there. <laughs> uh, um, what? And he's like, yeah, all the people died and they shaved their heads and the giant died and Joseph was there. <laughs> and I realized that my son had somehow taken a blender of all of the Old Testament stories, blended them up, and out came popping what in his mind was the tabernacle story. Oh, my goodness. So, and of all the words that stuck with him is the title of that story, Tabernacle. Who would have thought? Tabernacle. And, <laughs> you know, so... All of that is completely wrong. It's all the individual ingredients. And, you know, I'm like, okay, all right, that one was Samson. Okay, that one was David and Goliath. Uh, I'm not sure when everyone died. There's, you know, a lot of points well, in, in the Samson. Old Testament. Well, it could be, but there's a lot of points granted in the Old Testament where that happened. So it could have been Noah's yeah. flood, could have been Israelites, golden calf. You know, there's a lot of points, <laughs> even yeah. in the children's Bible. But um, anyway, wow. I took him to the actual story and said, well, son, this is what happens with the tabernacle. Um, but that was <laughs> that was a fun little uh, whiplash of, wait, huh? But, you know, in the mind of a three-year-old, that was the mashup of the Old Testament. Yeah. Wow. I'm so glad you told me that story. I'm going to remember that now. Which, which reminds me of something I, I want to do eventually as our kids get old enough to start articulating things is have them summarize movies. Because those are like, oh man, like hearing a little kid summarize. I mean, I, I guess we'll have to pick age appropriateness, but but like even Pixar movies, like asking Rowan, like, hey, summarize the movie Cars, and I think yeah. it would be wonderful. And then uh, the next thing would actually be to get our wives to do it, because I don't know if you've ever heard my wife Meredith summarize like geek movies, but it's pretty epic. <laughs> I can't remember I've heard tales, yes. I can't remember if we've shared it on the podcast, but 
during the pandemic, we actually did some like live movie watching and of which you and you and Jess were included, but we did it with yeah. like the Chandlers and the Browns were involved, but we watched our way through the Lord of the Rings and probably right. one of my favorite moments during all of 2020 was when the Chandlers had like a bad internet connection. And so they missed like 20 minutes of the fellowship of the ring. And when they popped back in, I think it was Michael said like, what did I miss? And then Meredith just jumps into this amazing summary of like the mines of Moria and the, the bridge of Casa doom with the Balrog. And she described it as, well, the people got stuck in the dark mines. They made some noise. And then the fire bull scorpion took Gandalf <laughs> down the pit. And I was like, wait, hold up. What did you just call the ball? Rock? She's like, yeah, the fire bull scorpion. And I'm like, well, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> it, yeah. It's kind of like that. Oh, Wow. That would be great. So I kind of hope between our kids and our wives, we could have some pretty epic retellings. I think our kids would be really good at, and they've done this before where they have the kids retell Bible stories. Uh, ah, like, yes. like the Christmas story with the birth of Jesus. That's it's absolutely hilarious hearing it from five-year-olds. So we got to do that sometime with either David and Goliath or who knows what that'd be awesome. Or, or like age appropriate kid movies. Because, I mean, the Bible story has been too. done, but I've not quite seen that for, like, Pixar movies. Yeah. Oh, maybe an absolute blast. So, hey, speaking of retellings, that seems to be all Disney can do these days. And oh we've got a bunch of trailers that just dropped here on Disney Day, um, which I'm not going to lie. I didn't realize was a thing. And it's because it got started last year. And wow, how how have you arrived at a company when you can just declare your own holiday? <laughs> uh, I mean, Amazon did, did it. Disney Amazon Day? did it, right? I mean, Amazon I, declared, "Oh, this is Amazon Prime Day." Okay, um, I guess well, Disney. Well, but Day. at least at least they share the blessing with the world and give you great deals. That, so that's true. That's, that's nice. True. I, and, I have not heard the same of Disney. Well, Disney Day. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that dropped on Disney Plus. I mean, the live-action Pinocchio came out, the new uh, Cars on the Road shorts, which Rowan has already blown through because he loves anything Cars-related, except Cars <laughs> 2, which doesn't exist on our house. Um, they dropped... Uh, oh, Thor Love and Thunder is now available. Um, Who cares? And, well, that's the only way Meredith and I were going to watch it, was that it, it, it came on <laughs> Disney Plus for free. Um, because we heard exactly zero glowing reviews for it for the people that did see it in theaters. Um, yeah. but several other trailers dropped. We got a, a teaser trailer for disenchanted, That's the, right. the sequel to enchanted, which happens to be one of my wife's, my wife's favorite Disney movies. Um, we also got a teaser for the live action little mermaid. That's right. So, um, uh, let's end uh end a Disney plus thing called strange world. Yeah. So that one was earlier this summer, but it's, it's the next like Disney animation piece. And, wow. uh, yeah, I mean that, that was another trailer. Um, it's been out for a little bit longer, but one that we haven't talked about. I didn't so, even know it existed. And before we talk about any of these trailers, please, there will be spoilers in this stop right now. If you haven't seen them, go watch them real quick. And then return to your friendly podcast. 
Yes, that is how careful we are. We are doing spoiler alerts for trailers. <laughs> that is how much we care. <laughs> That's right. Um, but yes, uh, I don't know. Which one do you want to tackle first, Brett, out of those three? Um, let's let's do Little Mermaid. Little uh, Mermaid. I, I, I've got some thoughts on that trailer. I, I um, mean, I, I'm going to say this. The only, the only Disney live action that I thought was worth it was Cruella. Which and, I haven't even seen. <laughs> oh, you haven't seen that one? Oh, man. No. Well, the, well I, I've been so underwhelmed, is the word, by all of yeah. the other Disney live actions. I'm like, listen, if this was meant to be live action, then maybe the original would have been live action. You know, like, yeah. the, there's something that the animation allows for the the magic, the, the suspension of disbelief. Because once you make something live action, you know, your brain has a whole new level of filters before it can kind of shut itself off and get engrossed in the story versus if it's animated, you kind of just you're bought in from the opening frame that, Hey, this is magical. It's not real. Um, dare we say a whole new world. (laughs) I want to be, I want to be part of that world. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it just looks like it's the same quasi good Disney live action CG. I mean, that's what the yeah. teaser was, right? I mean, it's all this, yeah. like, Finding Nemo-esque Save the Oceans stuff that you're seeing coming at you. They, they're being really coy with showing Ariel until the ending shot, um, mm-hmm. in which case, I mean, the, the, the new actress is making her mark by changing the riffs on the, the classic part of, part of Your World song, um, yeah. which, I mean, more power to her because, I mean— Th- th- those are quite the the fins to fill. I guess wouldn't it be shoes hmm. to fill? The the quite the, the fins to fill. Fin, the the tail to fill. Uh, well, I don't know. Well, I just as with all the other live actions, like what what's what's going to be unique about this that gets me to watch it? Because I mean, if I if yeah. if I wanted to be reminded of the original, I'd watch the original, which is also yeah, available I, on Disney Plus. <laughs> I, I remember talking with a friend about this, and he made a great point. Uh, I completely agree with him. He said, you know, a company has scraped the bottom of its creative barrel when the only thing they can pitch to a committee that they actually take is, hey, guys, remember that movie we made years ago? Let's make it again, (laughs) but just make it look a little different. And they say, you know what? I like it. Let's do it. And I, I think they've just have gotten lazy because they want low risk, high cash value. And. What's sad is that a lot of people, especially families with young girls, are going to go see this and it's going to be the exact same story. And like you said, nothing new. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be stuck with the message that the corporation sees is, oh, they want more of the same instead of something absolutely brand new. Although Strange World completely breaks what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> because that looks out in left field. Well, we are not we are this is not that trailer, but we we will get yes. there. But Yes, that's right. But with with Little Mermaid, <laughs> I I even saw from the back like what Flounder is supposed to look like. And and again, when it's animated, you can get away with the cutesy sidekick. When it's live yeah. action, like what what direction are they going to go is it going to be a a flounder like an actual flounder or that's a good question what's what 
fish species is flounder. I mean, his name is flounder, but he's obviously not a flounder. He's he's probably some coral reef fish. Okay, uh, well, like they're the colorful yellow ones. I mean, I is know, his mouth going to move? Are they going to go for like you know the you know the old you know '90s dog animation mouth moving, or is it going to be like he has he doesn't make noise, but she can understand him? You know, it's like. And, you know, she can understand <laughs> flounder. Um, Maybe. It, it also looked like, and, and granted, I mean, it's just a couple seconds in the teaser. It looked like they were also doing kind of the the Aquaman 2 style to where, like, all right, they're talking, but there's almost like you can see the water in the animation to where it doesn't look crystal clear. Like there's almost like a waviness to the way they look when they're under the yeah. ocean. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're not going full. You can't hear them talk unless they're talking in an air bubble method. Um, right. I'm so, I'm so glad they got rid of that one. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it. Uh, unless there's some sort of radical new twist, I'm like, I just, I don't need to see this story again. Um, yeah. And here's one thing that gets my goat is when, if you're going to, even if you're going to remake a movie, or even a sequel to a movie. If you're going to change something about the original, it needs to have, I think, two reasons for that change. One, it's it's going to make the movie better. Mm. Like, that change ought to make the movie better. Um, and second, it shouldn't be just because you want to get creative. It's because it's very intentional. Um, they've broken both of those, I feel like, because the lore of mermaids is a European myth. That's where it comes from. Yeah. I mean, mermaids are Caucasian in color. Now, whether you want to say that they were English, French, Spanish, Portuguese, that's, that's up to interpretation. Mm -hmm. But if you're just going to change an ethnicity just because that to me is saying, well, then what are you trying to push down our throats or, or why? What, what's the purpose besides just saying, ah, let's do it. Yeah. I've, you know, even I've been thinking about this recently and it, it almost makes the movie feel more like a stage play because, yeah. because you see that a lot of times in stage plays, because, you know, when you're playing on the stage, it's it's a lot more of an interpretation of a character, right? And yeah, and sometimes, true. I mean, it's just like, hey, this person's talent level brings you to the like. It doesn't matter. You you can you can be. I mean, you know, the irony is, you know, old Shakespearean. You had men playing women. Now, I'm not saying that <laughs> you know yeah. that that translates the same way, but I feel like in a movie, especially if you're going for live action, you're trying to introduce more of a realism into it to, to yeah. your point. Like if this story is, is based off of, you know, European, I mean, particularly Danish. I mean, wasn't this, was it Hans Christian Anderson? I can't remember who wrote little mermaid. I don't know, but, but I want to say it was Danish. I mean, it's, they're, they're going to be European. They're, they're going to be bleached, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like that. I mean, if you've seen a Dane, uh, they're, 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 they're pretty lacking of pigment. Um, so I, I just, if you're going for live action, it's again, there's like a different set of standards your brain looks for to where, I mean, if this is the stage play, then cool. I mean, it just, who, whoever made the cut for that role. Whereas as soon as you go for live action, I don't know, there just, there feels something, 
disingenuous isn't the right word, but it just, again, it makes it feel like we're using the right medium to tell this particular story. Um, Hmm. Here's where I think is a good test. Let's flip it on another culture and see if that move works. If you were to go into the black Panther movie and Mm -hmm. make the the new Prince of Wakanda Danish, (laughs) would, would that fly? Or no, Mulan. It wouldn't. Or Mulan. Or, or Mulan. It, right. It doesn't make any sense because of the culture that it's in. This culture is not. That story did not come from a dark skinned area of the world, whether it's Indonesia, Africa, South America, whatever. It came from Europe. And so it just seems a little bit like, to your point, disingenuous. So that's a but good test. But I will say this I was very impressed with the actress's riff on that one vocal note. Cause I was like, okay, okay. You got my attention and yep. man, her singing chops are on point. I was like, gotta admit you're, you're going to have to sing really well to, to get people to forget the original one. Cause I mean, I, I'm a dude and I still hum that one <laughs> from my childhood. <laughs> so, right. you know, I, and, and I mean, granted little mermaid was not one that we were watching on repeat by any means, but I mean, you know, we watched the, the Disney Renaissance classics growing sure. up. So, I mean, uh, as it, as anyone who plays the live action roles, I do not envy them because they've got so much precedent to perform against. So yeah. my, my hat is off to the actress who's playing Ariel because, I mean, you got to have some chops to even just say yes to a role like that. True. But I, I will say, unlike a stage play where I feel like you can, you can kind of, you know, see – you, you can kind of accept it. Cause I mean, they did that in Hamilton, right? In Hamilton. I mean, you had, uh, I mean, I, I believe it was an African American guy who was playing George Washington, but yet something about a stage play. And I, I can't quite put my finger on why, but something about a stage play, like it's a different interpretation. And it's okay. Versus a, there's something about once you say this is a movie, you almost expect it. Or I don't know. Maybe it's when you say this is the live action retelling, you expect it to be a little bit more in accordance with, actual events or actual I, I don't know I can't put my finger on it but I hope this actress proves me wrong and their performance is just so stellar that I completely forget about it um yeah maybe but so. and given and to the your track point record given the track record of the other Disney live actions let's just say for being an underwater tale I'm not holding my breath <laughs> <laughs> that was good but what were you gonna say good. Uh, I was just going to say that for the record, I'm, I'm not a fan of having someone who's not Caucasian play George Washington. It doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. I, uh, anyway. Well, but, but again, it's me. something about, there's something about a play versus a movie. And again, it's all about the medium. You know, this is something that I think I've brought up several times on this show. And, and certainly the most recent example I can think of is the Obi-Wan series. That story would have been much better to be have told as a movie, not yep. only because it would have by, by necessity shaved off a lot of the fat that was in that series, but there's something about telling a story within the two to two and a half hours, getting that, that sense of completion within that short amount of time. It just hits differently versus you know, a, a series where you got to string things out. And I mean, and if you don't have, if you don't have enough of intrigue and twists and turns to sustain that, it feels like butter spread over too much bread. 
and you know it 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 just doesn't go down the same but then like in a stage play those are typically like three or four hours so again it's a different medium so pick the right medium to tell your story yeah that's true and if it's already been told don't tell it again disney (laughs) come on if it's been told well just leave it be but but at the same time i feel for him man because now that they're in the streaming wars you just got to be cranking out content like there's no tomorrow if you want to keep eyeballs. I mean, and, and I mean, sure. I, I found myself being like, sweet, they're releasing six new things this, this Friday. That's awesome. But then, but then I have to, but wait, in order to drop six things, that's six different projects that had to be in development. Yeah. Lord knows when they got the green light for that. It was probably only a year ago. And mm. they, they know, all right, we have to drop it on September 8th. So... I I feel like perhaps so much of the degradation in quality that we've experienced as fans has been because they've just been churning stuff out like a hot dog factory because they've had to just yeah. just to stay competitive with Amazon Prime and Netflix. I mean, think about like HBO Max just did House of Dragon, major property. You've got Amazon Prime that just dropped Rings of Power, major property. And then you're looking at Disney Plus like, all right, where do you drop in Disney Plus? Uh, let's do the live action Pinocchio. Uh, let, let's drop uh, Thor, Love, and Thunder's available now and Cars. And hey, please still remember us, guys. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I do not envy them, but I'm also raising the yellow flag that I, I think it we're getting 10 B grade things a month versus waiting three months to get an A plus. Yeah. And I think that's something that Top Gun Maverick going back to Mm. that showed us. Yep. Yep. Give it the right time needed to tell that story and the right attention. And it's worth the wait. Now, I don't know if that means that every single movie needs to wait 30 years per se, but, but, (laughs) but just, just, you know, take the time to do it right. I mean, I think of arcane and I can't remember if it was six or eight years, but I mean, the reason that show is just amazing is because it was given TLC. It wasn't greenlit, produced, and posted in 10 months. I, I, I still haven't seen it. I'm sorry. Brett, um, get off of your mic right now. Go do yourself a favor and watch Arcane. I'm a, I'm a dad of two, okay? Listen. <laughs> I don't have a lot of time. I don't say this lightly. In the last decade, there are probably only three things that I would vehemently recommend. That would be Arcane. That would be... Uh, uh, Top Gun Maverick and then Endgame and only if you've seen all the other Marvel films. And only, yes, yes. I was about to say, you got to preface that one. Yeah, it's you, you can't watch it by its lonesome. It only has the emotional impact if you've seen all of the other 22 films leading up to it. But, I mean, yeah. really in the last decade, those were the only three that I'd be like, no, seriously, stop what you're doing and go watch this. So Arcane is one of those three. Okay. I do not make that recommendation lightly. Go listen to the episode, <laughs> Brett. At, well, after you've watched it, it's full of spoilers, but yeah, um, I was about to say, I don't know if I should do that. Um, but sp- speaking of making sure that you see stuff beforehand, before you see a sequel disenchanted, that disenchanted. trailer also came out. Um, so that is something that is oh, heard, man. Yeah. That it, <laughs> yeah. That if you are not disenchanted with my vocal ability at this point, then, hmm. um, <laughs> you know it's bad when your wife tells you in church and you're singing and she's like, I'm glad you're trying. 
Um, so disenchanted add it to a list of movies that I was like, "Mm, I, I have zero people on my list who asked for a sequel for this. Um, and also not going to lie. I'm like, yeah, how long ago was enchanted? I mean, that was like what? 2006, 2007. I was about to say that was before I graduated high school. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, we're pushing at least 15 years. Um, you know, I, I don't know what the timeline in the Enchanted universe is, but, you know, all, all them actors are looking older. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when they came out with uh, the My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2, Return of Cellulite. Um, <laughs> like, age has not been kind um, to yeah. a lot of the actors. And, yeah, yeah. I don't know how I feel about the story. I'm trying to figure out. So, so what is their deal here? Are they trying to say that, like, all right, so pure-hearted Amy Adams' character is now delving in the dark arts to get her wish? Like, what, yeah, what's so the play it, and what here? drove what drove her to that, from what it, it appears to be in the trailer, is that she had this idea of how perfect her marriage was going to be, and it's not. And her life is not going the way she wants, so she's like, oh, I'll just make a wish. Because that's what Disney characters do, and things get better. Mm-hmm. Well, as you usually, as you probably figure out, she finds out that it comes with a price, and people start suffering for it. Um, it almost seems a little bit WandaVision esque. It reminds because, me of that too, because like they yep. go to a town, and mm-hmm. the town seems fine, and then all of a sudden it's it's swept up in this enchantment. Um, yep. And seemingly against the permission or even knowledge of the town dwellers. That's um, right. And she has until midnight on a particular night to to keep something the way it is for it to stay that way forever. And Amy Adams' character finds herself. Uh, what is it, Giselle? I think Giselle. Princess Giselle. That's right. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, Giselle is basically starting to decide, no, I want to keep it this way when people are trying to fight back against her. And it seems like she's turning bad. Um, yeah. Which, it, what is it with Disney trying to delve into the fact, like all good characters have bad parts about them. I'm not saying that everyone has to be absolutely perfect, but they're making good characters out to be villains. This well, is something I've noticed. It's a trend. Yeah. It, it, and you know, they've, they've crossed the threshold when you're going to do that with a character like Giselle. Who yeah. literally her shtick in the original one is that she is the unstoppable optimist. She is the and one innocent and and innocent. Yeah, I mean, even in the in the beginning of the trailer, someone's looking out their back window and they're like, "Oh, great, it's a landfill," and then she goes, "A land filled with possibilities." <laughs> yeah, and, and, and so that like, is her character. Yeah, I'm like that's her character. So then to see her like turning wicked, um. No. It, yeah, there's just something wrong about that. And I, yeah, you know, part of the reason you turn to Disney is because it is fantasy, right? And and mm. so much of actual life is, you know, it isn't clear what the right choice is or, or you know, you're dealing with a gray area or, you know, man, maybe I'm going into a situation where there isn't a great choice. I just have to make the best of a bad choice. I mean, look at any mm. of the recent any political election and that's what it feels right like right <laughs> so right. i but with story it does remind you that and you know they do this through archetypical characters that but 
even though life feels like that, if you strip away all the layers, there is still a right and a wrong. And so there's something about stories that they're refreshing when they maintain that. And it, and it, it almost, it reminds you of like, ah, that's right. Even though at work, I feel like I'm working with this gray area, you know, that this story reminds me that somewhere out there, there is still a right and a wrong. And so then when you start bleeding into the story, these gray are like, oh, it's okay to have a bad side. You know, it, I don't know. It, it almost doesn't sit right with you because you're like, I deal with this every day. Like it, it yeah. doesn't give you that compass that you need. And I know we're getting a little bit more uh, philosophical going down this road. Yeah, we're getting really philosophical you, on the disenchanted teaser trailer. <laughs> yeah. But when you start looking at the issues between disenchanted and say the issues of the Renaissance beauty and the beast, not the live action, the original <laughs> beauty and the beast. Yes. Um, you start looking at the conflicts between those two and what happened between the culture between those times. Hmm. Today, we live in a culture where most people say that there is no absolute truth. There is no absolute right or wrong. That's Hmm. starting to show up in even kids' movies now Mm -hmm. to where, and this goes right up Disney's alley. They have to be very careful about this. The follow your heart mantra. Right. Well, live out out your truth. Oh, gracious. Yeah. So if you're not careful, if you don't balance that with absolute truth, then you start getting chaos. And I think that's what we're starting to see in those movies. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm sure, I'm sure some cinephile will, will come out of the woodwork with more exact examples of this, but I feel like there was a turning point in at least like television culture with Breaking Bad. I, I, I know, mm. I mean, I know you can make the argument as well with Game of Thrones because in that one, like there were no, oh, yeah. there were no white cape heroes. You know, every character was complicated and and that's what had its initial draw. But I feel like Game of Thrones popularity came after Breaking Bad. And yeah. I mean, I'll admit I watched Breaking Bad partially because I was just so curious on like, why is this just captivating everyone's mind? And I remember initially, you know, you're rooting for the guy because he's, he's an underdog, you know, he's, he's got this cancer. He wants to help his family. So, so like at first you feel like, oh, it's the typical, you know, that, that innate human part of you that wants to root for the underdog. But then about halfway through the show, I'm like, no, this guy is bad. Like, Mm -hmm. like he, he stopped being Walter a while ago and, and now he's, um, what is it? Heisman, uh, Heidelberg, um, Heidelman, I, I, it begins with an H, but like he is now this evil persona. And like, that's the part of him that makes him happy. Like, like Mm. it's almost the, the Walter part of him is now fake. And I mean, I, I know antihero is not something new to telling us stories. You know, that's, that's a motif, a style that's been around for millennia, but I feel like that was the first time that not only was it a popular show, but it was like an applauded show. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, this is incredible. You must watch it. And it it seems to me that ever since then, there's been this string. Because I, I almost seem to remember like Breaking Bad happened. And then he started seeing movies like Melissa, Melissa Sent, Maleficent. <laughs> yeah. And then he started seeing movie or uh, Disney then started releasing like The Descendants, which... Mm-hmm. 
Um, are you familiar with that? It's like all the yeah. the villains' yeah. children. It's musical. Yeah. Um, like I feel like that started to happen more and more and more. And then now, in that similar vein, you have this disenchanted where you can't even let your your pure innocent characters stay immune from being tainted by the dark side. Well, and what's happening now is that you used to have anti-heroes and what those anti-heroes would do is that they, they would be like the dirty Harry's of the world. If you know, Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Oh yeah. Where he would not be afraid to go in and do the dirty work of justice. But at the end of the day, even though he did some bad things, if he was given a choice between good or bad, like if there was a child drowning, he would at least go get the child now he would probably then slap the kid upside the head and say, why'd you jump in that deep water? But, and that's what makes him an anti-hero. He's not your ideal hero. The problem today is you've got anti-villains. You've got people who hmm. are, you are in essence rooting for the villain because inside of this villain, deep down inside, there is some good in them. Now, what's interesting is a lot of that started with Darth Vader, but that is a little more complex I think than what even Disney's doing now. Well, um, I mean, there was a also of, a redemption arc for Darth Vader. Yes. Right? Yes. He was brought back to realize that what he was doing was evil mm-hmm. and that isn't happening in movies today. Well, and sometimes you feel hoodwinked as the audience. Cause I actually just got off of feeling angry about this with the show, the terminal list. Um, oh, because you know, at first, you're rooting for Reese and you're like, yeah, you know, getting justice. Cause they killed your family. Like, you know, yeah. basically that, I mean, they, they killed his family and the man has cancer. Like you basically give him carte blanche on anything he wants to do. Right. Cause, <laughs> cause of those two things. Yeah. But, but then like at first all of his, his, his killing was like precision. And it was just the people that he was, you know, demanding that recompense, that justice for. Yeah. But Meredith and I kind of looked at each other like halfway through the show and like his body count starts getting really high against yeah. people that had nothing to do with killing his family. And he started going yeah. like, I, okay, now I feel kind of uncomfortable rooting for this guy because now he's just yeah. a killer who's going on a rampage. And yeah, there's still a loose narrative of he's getting back at the people, but he just shot like 50 guys that had no quarrel with him. <laughs> you know, like they're just trying to do their yeah. job and presumably they have families and children, you know, mm-hmm. like, is this like, are we now going to spawn like 50 other terminal lists off of this show? Because now they're angry at Reese for killing their father. So huh. anyway, I, I've kind of felt betrayed halfway through because at first you, th- you know, you were like, all right, I want to root for this guy who, you know, he was done wrong. And now he's going to make right for himself, even if it's outside the technical bounds of justice. But then yeah. after a while, I'm like okay, now this is just anarchy. Like he's just killing people because they're in his way. I feel like that story, I know we're taking a bit of a tangent, but I feel like that story, the terminalist should have been a movie. I, I feel like it, it should have at least at the very most been like the born identity. That's what like Meredith and I thought we're like, this feels like he could be Jason Bourne. Yes. He is the veteran struggling with cancer, Jason Bourne type stuff. It, that's the story that I think would have made, a lot more of a powerful impact. Um, instead they decide for a show cause you know, streaming services. Yeah. Cause they got to have content, right? Um, Man. cause yeah, that I will say it was a show that outstayed its welcome because like, I love the premise. Mm. I love the character. I was oh, shocked yeah. at Chris Pratt's acting. Cause, yeah. cause 
in every other action movie I've seen him in, I'm like, okay, you're just Andy who's trying to behave as much as he can. But at, but, <laughs> yeah. but, but at any point, you're going to go, Burt Macklin, FBI. Um, <laughs> right. But whereas in this one, not going to lie, when he had the the Navy SEALs cap on and the sunglasses and was just steering a boat, like, I was like, dang, this guy mm-hmm. can play intimidating. Um, yeah. And, you know, th- there's, again, you want to tell – you want to tell the or choose the right medium for the story, and obviously this was made from a book series, so I can yeah. see then why they'd thought, oh well, let's tell it as a show, so that they have more time to explore the relationship between characters. But to me, it didn't feel like they were fleshing things out. It felt like they were taking forever. I mean, I was like, man, how <laughs> long are we going to be on this Mexican credenza? Like, eat your dinner yeah. already. Get back to killing people. <laughs> um. The uh, right people, the the, the right the, people, not just anyone yeah. with a gun that's in your way. Um, so uh, anyway, all, all this is yeah. I feel like more and more in shows, the anti-villain is who you're told to to root for, and I I mean, yeah. there's just something that doesn't sit right with you, and it's unfulfilling, by the way, because like when we got to the end of the terminal list, and I mean, no, not to reveal any spoilers, but I felt like at the end of Jason Bourne, you're like, yeah, justice, yeah. he got back. At the end of the terminal list, I'm like, all right, I guess he finished his list, but I really don't feel like he's a good guy. <laughs> yeah. What has he prayed with that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Good point. Sounds strange. You know what else is strange? Strange worlds. That hey, there, thanks for hey. pulling that out of that hole. We got into like this <laughs> deep, dark, meta, you know, existential hole just talking about disenchanted. Um, uh, but yeah, strange, uh, strange worlds or strange world, I think is what it's called. Yeah. Not okay. Not to be confused with the star Trek series, strange, strange new, new world. Worlds. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. The movie strange world is coming out. I think this fall. Is that right? Fall. Yeah. November. Yep. Yeah. And, and boy, uh, how trailer did someone Oof. was someone on some mushrooms when, when <laughs> they were putting together some storyboards. Cause wowza. So, so when I say that Disney has run out of its creative ideas, <laughs> I say that as a broad whole. However, there are there's probably one sub department of a sub department in Disney that was saying, "Okay, listen, we've got to do something different and risky." And they went, "You know what? <laughs> like you said, let's go out, do something crazy, and make this." And this. It was like someone, if you thought the world of Avatar or whatever that planet was in Avatar, that the blue people. Pandora. Av- Pandora. Yeah. If you thought Pandora was a drug trip, <laughs> then you need to watch that. Buckle up. And yeah, this is amazing. Um, now, from the looks of it, it's different enough to where at least the setting itself looks different will the story be different and will it be compelling enough i don't know it was a teaser for a reason we'll see yep and just one thing that that did have my 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 caution flag waving is even just in the i mean this is the first trailer we've seen even in this first trailer it looks like the dad is an idiot and then the mom is like this marine like crossfit Hulk who's got the situation totally under control. And I'm yeah. like, 
is it so much to ask Disney that we can have a dad who just like knows what he's doing? Like, yeah. I, I, maybe that's one Great reason question. why. Maybe that's one reason why Bluey has continued to just stick with me because I'm like, man, I wish I was Bandit. Like, I wish I could be <laughs> as engaging and just go with the punches. Dad is Bandit. Um, now, granted, would I ever get anything done is a different question. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, I want a dad that I want to go. I want to be like him versus yeah. whether it's Mitchell versus the machines or the again, this dynamic that it, it seems like is being repeated in Strange World. Just the dad is a bumbling bum. Like he just mm. he he's he's swept on the venture, doesn't know what to do. And then everyone else helps bail him out. Now, granted, yeah. Maybe there's some character development that will occur, but j- just another little yellow caution flag that was waving as I was watching it. Yeah, that's what I noticed too. But but yeah, maybe to your point, maybe Disney has one department. They're like, all right, guys, we got to come up with something new. Here's the rule. There are no wrong answers. And then this is the result of telling a creative group <laughs> that there are no wrong answers. <laughs> they went, wait, are you sure? Are you absolutely sure? You have complete free reign. All right. Here's what we create. Because marijuana is legal. You know that, right? <laughs> Actually, maybe this is true. Maybe this is the first Disney animation after mar- marijuana was legalized. Oh, and it shows. Well, if, and I'll say this, based off of what we've been talking about with these trailers and how there's gonna, there's a streaming war right now, who's going to create not only the most content, but the best content. And people are cranking out, like you said, hot dogs. We are running dangerously close to an era of TV and cinema that is vaguely reminiscent of the seventies and eighties hmm. in American cinema in the seventies and eighties. It go was deeper. Yeah. In the seventies and eighties, there was a definite drop in, um, the, the effectiveness of the storytelling of that time. Not in all of them. There were some classics for sure. Um, I mean, for crying out loud, you even got fiddler on the roof. 1976 was it um so no, i think you still on the roof was earlier but i mean you got star wars 1977 star so. wars 1977 but that was an outlier mm-hmm. that was not the norm well and, and george lucas very purposefully was like i want to create a space opera and i like it needs to be different that's right uh if you look at a lot of the movies of that day even one of the movies i remember watching um um uh Butch and the Sundance Kid. Hmm. A lot of movies were like that, where it was really just a tragedy for the sake of telling a tragedy, and they all get shot up and and die. <laughs> or you 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 have this kid who's living in an orphanage, um, and runs away and goes to the edge of the ocean and turns around and looks at the camera. The end. <laughs> like right, and that's that's the four hundred blows. Yep. Uh, if you ever seen that film, don't ever watch that film. It's awful. So uh, at, at any rate, I feel like we are getting to the point where we are about to enter that era again hmm. until we come back to truly respecting good content like they did in the Star Wars era and into the or start getting into the 80s with um, like Back to the Future, hmm. um, getting to more of the Indiana Jones when you start realizing that you should embrace go all in in this particular theme of a movie and and don't be afraid of your critics i'm shocked at how many things are coming out today and you can tell that they made this movie 
and they checked all these different boxes to say, well, this critic will at least shut up. This critic will at least shut up. And they checked that box and it demeans the story. Hmm. So um, there you go. I'll get off my soapbox. Give it back to you. Well, I mean, I, I remember when we were studying that period in film school, they talked about how the 70s were known for having unhappy endings. Like, and yeah. that was like a hallmark. I mean, you've got movies like The Godfather, Chinatown, to where like it, it seemed like there was this desire for, you know what, we're going to tell stories that have tragic endings. And not that you can't have those and they'd be incredibly effective. I mean, true. Look, look at. Look Schindler's List. Schindler's List, right? Oof, I mean, even though man. even though there is some some hope in what happens because people are saved. I mean, what a, what a tragic story to tell. But you know, the original Star Wars was not without its critics because they're like, oh, the ending it, it's too happy of an ending. Like it, it it turns out too good. You know, like best case <laughs> scenario for the good guys. Um, and George Lucas was like, no, this is what the world needs. And then you look at the other stories like Indiana Jones, Back to the Future, you know, E.T., like all these stories that dared to have a, a childlike hope and optimism in the future. Yeah. And, you know, it, those are the those are the stories that stick with you. Um, yeah. And, you know, meanwhile, us cinephiles may remember things like Chinatown and 400 Blows and all of that, but you don't necessarily hear people like popping that into their, their DVD player or, you know, Oh, I want to stream this movie again. Um, 40, 50 years later. So, I mean, I'll be curious 20 years from now is Rowan still going to be watching the live action Cinderella or Mm. is he going to be turning or is he going to be looking at the 40 year old 2d animated Cinderella? Like, like I what, know what personally will con- what will continue to have staying power. Cause I know in the Yoakum household, yeah. it's going to be two D or bust. You better believe it. I, I think the story is stronger. The, the voice acting is incredible. Mm-hmm. The animation is charming. It's not crazy amazing, but it didn't have to be. It was charming. Um, and the storytelling was just impeccable. Well, so. and, and I'm also trying to judge it by, all right, is it just rose-colored glasses because I grew up with it, right? Right. I mean, right. the the stats are overwhelming that the music you listen to in high school and college will remain your favorite throughout the rest of your life, regardless <laughs> of new songs and genres that come out. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to counter this with, all right, is it just because I grew up with it, therefore it's untouchable, like it's amazing. But – then, then I look at people that are like my mom's generation and they're saying very similar things to where like, man, I just really preferred the 2d. And, and I mean, she didn't grow up with beauty and the beast with Aladdin, little mermaid. I mean, that was, that was me. Right. And so, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the stuff that Rowan's growing up with and really with the exception of bluey, I don't know if there's anything that's going to really continue to be seen, um, as far as recent <laughs> releases, um, and granted he's only three. I mean, there's, there's plenty of life and movies to be released from here on out. Um, but you know, I, I am in the back of my head trying to go, all right, is it just because I grew up with it or is there something innate about it? Is there something inherent in the storytelling that was then, but is absent now that truly does make it objectively superior? So yeah, I am trying to, am trying to figure out if, if it is just nostalgia talking because nostalgia is powerful. Yes, it is. We, we should probably wrap up this first episode. 
Uh, I think we before, should. Before we, before we delve too deep uh, <laughs> into the minds of the Rings of Power. So, uh, Brett, it's been fun getting back in the saddle. Um, I have missed Daggum Nerds. Uh, yeah. Hopefully you listeners have missed it too, and uh, we'll have at least a couple of episodes here in September dropping for you. Um, but hey, check us out on Discord. We love the conversations and the sharing of memes. And uh, hey, throw some support of the show by joining our patron program. It's lots of fun. Yes, it is. And uh, man, I'm looking forward to the next one. Let's All right. Let's going. We will catch you later, Dagum nerds. Take care. Game over.